there is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my land. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. The best is heard of yards of and good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, our look at the Australian film industry and things that are happening within it, including reactions from you, the audience. Anyway, uh, you're on 3CR, and uh, we're going to be talking to the person who's put together a great program uh, for, um, it's called MQF Mick. How would you say that? MQFF Sorry. Extra. So it's a, yeah, it's, that's that's how I'd say it. Yeah, yeah Melbourne Queer Film Festival Extra. Yeah, cool. That's right. And it's a spin-off, isn't it, um, Spiro, from uh, the uh, incredibly uh, successful Melbourne Queer Film Festival. Uh, the numbers were really big. We had a great year this year. We've had a, some fantastic um, sort of numbers over the last few years. In fact, this year we um, broke our box office and attendance record, which is really exciting. So I think, you know, Queer Cinema. We're 26,000 people that's yeah really yeah quiz cinema is in a great place at the moment and our festival um is kind of really reaping you know the rewards of that yeah and uh the reason for why you're doing mqff extra is actually as a kind of a uh, relay or a handshake or bringing people through to the next so yeah, you know when people people are feeling that they're missing out, got a bit of withdrawal from great films of this nature. That mm. for 2020 uh, Melbourne Queer Film Festival, this is the place where they should be going on uh, November the fourth to the sixth. October, October, October. Yeah, I mean absolutely. It's um you know this is literally the halfway point for us um, in okay. regards to when our main festival is on and. As you said, it's another great opportunity for us to reach out and engage with our audience, and for our audience to um, and to see a lot of the films that are getting theatrical release before our main festival comes on. So this is a, a sort of an, you know an early opportunity to catch a lot of the films that um, that you know won't be coming out till you know Boxing Day, for example. And so this is just a great sort of moment to see that. So we have a couple of Australian premieres and. Um, I think it's a really, really good, strong program. Yeah, yeah. There's ten features and a couple of sidebars, right? Yeah, uh, there's a uh, ten feature doc- and documentaries and two short programs. Yeah, and uh, the interesting thing that looking at these films to me is that in the past, say you're going to have a queer film festival, people are all. It's all about. Uh, isn't this unusual? Isn't this strange? But in actual fact, now it's moved forward into its into creating films where people happen to be queer uh, in relationships, in all these different sort of elements. Mm. But the films themselves are now exploring life. Yep. 
I think, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that queer cinema has sort of evolved to a level where we're looking at stories that are really nuanced, really complex, that are sort of looking outside the, you know, regular coming out narrative and exploring That's other issues meant, as well. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and even when they Which do... Which is not a problem. No, but- no, absolutely. And when, you know, when a great coming out film comes on and it's good, it's good, you know, like, so yeah. you can't sort of deny that. But yeah, there's definitely um, more on queer filmmakers' minds, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, which is great. Uh, that just says to me that uh, culturally speaking, people are grown up, are yeah. more grown up than at, in previous previous times. Yeah, I suppose it's sort of, it's saying also, I suppose, yeah, that there's, um, I think people are wanting to explore, you know, more st- different stories. Like, I think there's a lot out there. So I think it's given filmmakers the opportunity to dig deeper, be more, you know, be more exploratory in terms of the things they're interested in and you know i think it's uh, it's a, an interesting time yeah i think so uh what's your background in creating programs of this uh, nature i well this is this is uh my coming up next year will be like my fifth festival working with uh, the melbourne queer film festival uh, it, previously to that i was at the australian center for the moving image in the film programming department so i've had a you know, an experience and background in in film programming for a long time now. So, yeah. So, uh, it's a big world. Where did you get the? You know, how did how did you choose? Oh well, yeah. It's uh, yeah. That's it is tough because there's a lot of really great content out there. And but I suppose it was easier with MQFF Extra in a way because a lot of it was driven by. Um, trying to capture those films that we knew were maybe going to be coming out um, before March next year, which is when our main festival was on. So for us, it was like going, well, let's let's grab those films and you know, um, you know, get them in the program and get them under our banner and get get them in front of our audience as well. And so subsequently, you know, there's a lot of really big hitters um, in our program this year. You know, films that have you know won big awards at Cannes that are you know they're getting sort of fairly large theatrical releases from you know very big auteurs queer auteurs and so um yeah it's a very strong program for that reason it is too uh, so for example portrait of a lady on fire what yeah. you die for a name a title like that oh, what a fantastic yeah. title oh, and what a fantastic film the movie is sensational and you know i hand you know it's absolutely one of my favorite films I've seen this year. I think it's really wonderful. And, uh, you know, Celine Shiyama, who made it, has made some other really great movies in the past, like Tomboy and Girlhood and Water Lilies. But I think this is her, you know, masterpiece. And this, I think people will look back on this movie as a, you know, a queer classic. I think it's a really great film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess what uh, what's happening here is that you've got people who are great filmmakers uh, who have got the potential to give people a view of the world which is different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think actually A Portrait of a Lady Fire is a great example of that because the film is very much about uh, the female gaze as well and what what the, that looks like through the eyes of a woman in terms of this artist kind of painting this particular character in the film and as a lesbian filmmaker as well and what that kind of gay gaze looks like. So I think it's a really interesting film for that and exciting for that as well in terms of how the worldview that it presents. And, you know, I think it's really wonderful. And she's deliberately done it as a historical... Yeah, but I feel like it's a very modern film in its own mm. way. But obviously, is a, it's a period film. But I think there's something. But she's done that on purpose. Yes, when yeah. you do when you do things in the past and in the future, mm. you populate things in a way that allows the modern mm. audience to actually grapple with exactly. the ideas. 
yeah. And I think it was interesting reading some uh, articles with the director who research in the film kind of really started from, uh, you know, her realising there's sort of a real lack of historical information about female painters from that era. And there's almost like an erasure of it. So it was really interesting for to read about that and for her to kind of sort of lean into that and, and sort of reclaim that a little bit, actually. And so I think that's what's really exciting about the film. It's interesting, that thing about erasure, because in actual fact, there's that sort of uh, pretense that uh, if people were good enough, they'd still be within the historical yes, record. which is not true, unfortunately. True, not, and at the moment, people might have noticed that there's this great film called Act Natural. Yeah. Have you seen that? It's, no. Uh, Act, uh, Act Natural is about a female a director yeah. from the very earliest periods mm. of uh, moving image, but also she was a uh, businesswoman. Mm. So she had one of the earliest production houses in America. Yeah. And she was erased from history, mm. which yeah. is quite extraordinary. So it's exactly the same kind of idea. Absolutely. Basically. I mean, that, that's been happening even within the you know, Australian film industry from the beginning in terms of, you know, the, our industry was right at the start built on female directors, for example, and that kind of got phased out sort of unfortunately. So It's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, it no, it is. It makes me quite angry. It makes me quite no, angry. I'd be angry about it too. And I think when you see something like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, you kind of realise what you've missed out on. You know, yeah. It's an amazing work. And, and why? Know, why is it artist. so necessary? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and uh, there are other things here too that seem so uh, – What uh, one of the documentaries, uh, uh, Circus of Books. Oh, Circus of Books is an absolute delight. This uh, this is an Australian premiere, which is really exciting. It's a really, really wonderful documentary about Karen and Barry Mason, who ran this uh, gay porn bookstore in LA called Circus of Books. Very infamous and very famous as well. Like it's appeared in a lot of uh, novels and sort of writers have spoken about this place because it, at different times, was a real safe haven for gay men as well, um, particularly during the AIDS crisis. And what emerges during this really wonderful documentary is uh, what great allies these two people were to the gay community. And it's quite wild because obviously they, they, they hid the fact that they had a gay porn store from their children. And this is actually directed by uh, their daughter. Oh, that's so fantastic. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, but they, you know, they were like producing, you know, some of the most famous gay porn films of the 80s, you know, you know, worked with people like Jeff Stryker. And, you know, so their, their footprint in that kind of, you know, in that kind of uh, sphere is quite amazing. And does, does it explain wh- where they were coming from? They, they oh, absolutely, yeah, it does go into it. I mean, they started from, you know, a sort of a, initially actually uh, being distributors for Hustler magazine, which was run by Larry Flint. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it kind of grew. And if, even for them, I think it was a very unlikely kind of career path. I think they're both <laughs> teachers from memory. and It's um, sort of an early Breaking Bad sort of. Very much in its own way, yeah. And there's really wonderful moments where you see kind of Karen sort of going to these sort of, you know, gay, you know, trade fairs and not being able to say, you know, butt plug or dildo, but just, just buying all this stuff for her store. And it's really delightful and, and quite moving. And I think, um, yeah, this is a, a really, really surprising documentary that I really recommend. I just uh, remind people that they're on 3CR and this is Showreel and we're talking to Spiro Economopoulos, who is the uh, curator of a great little uh, series of films that are going to be shown at the Nova October the 4th to the 6th and it's called MQFF 
Extra, and it's a series of films that are a program that's been put together to tide you over until the next Melbourne Queer Film Festival, which is going to be in 2020. Our 30th, in fact. Oh, Big year. That's a big year. And uh, in in fact, that's probably one of the reasons for why such a great program's been put together, to remind well, people. Well, yeah, I guess so, yeah. I mean, I think we're sort of, you know, this is like a lead-up, let's just say, of our big celebrations for next year, so. Well, that's, well, we'll get on to that because you've got a variety of other really interesting films as well. You, I mean, uh, let's have a look at uh, some of the... Um, uh, the girl on sh- girl on girl shorts, and then the uh, guy on guy shorts. What what that's what's that all about? Well, look, you know, we have uh, you know, some of our most popular um, sessions, I suppose, at the festival. Are always our shorts packages. They do so well, particularly Australian shorts, actually. But uh, generally, you know, our girl on girl shorts package and our guy on guy shorts package. Uh, uh, extremely popular, and I think it says a lot about the quality of work that's out there. There's a lot of amazing short films that are being made, um, and you know, it's uh, in terms of programming. Sometimes it's really part of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the the process. Yeah, because is putting a, these it, shorts it's because it's together. short, you know, because there's a small amount of time, and people have to be really clever yeah, in their filmmaking to actually get across what. Absolutely, that's exactly it, especially and I think, if it's funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, we do a comedy shorts package in the main festival, which is quite popular. But absolutely, I think that's that's you've sort of hit the head on the nail there. It's it, you know these filmmakers need to, you know, put across a story in a very short amount of time. And so I think you see a lot of really creative works. And you know, uh, particularly with the guy and guy shorts package, we, we you know we're showcasing a lot of films from across the world, from Israel and you know from Germany and you know from. Uh, Iran as well, which is really interesting. And so I think it's really interesting to see these films. How long did it take you to... How many, I mean, hours? Oh, look, it takes a long time. And to be honest with you, with these particular short packages, uh, um, you know, like I said, we get so many films that come in and unfortunately I've only got a limited amount of space to showcase these shorts. So what was exciting for me about MQFF Extra was the possibility of actually bringing some of the films in that I couldn't program even though I loved them. Um, And so this was actually a great opportunity to kind of highlight and showcase them. So I'm really excited to have these films in there for that reason because they're all worth um, seeing. Will some of those ones that couldn't be shown end up at the festival next year? Well, actually, these are the ones that couldn't be shown at the festival this year. Oh. So, yeah, we're, you know, so imagine way the caliber of, of the films. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, and as I said, these are really strong films. So you can imagine, really strong films. You can imagine, you know, what I'm having to kind of sift through. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, it, it, so we've been focusing on this particular event that's coming up, mm. which is October fourth to sixth at yep. Nova. But um, I was reading further about uh, Melbourne, um, the, this thing called Quit Flicks, which is, is that something that's going on with this extra or is it yeah, something to do with? Uh, it's the second time we've, well, actually, we're, we're announcing the finalists um, for it. Um, oh, right. we, we sort of debuted Quit Flicks um, in our festival this uh, is in quit, March. Quit Flicks? In 2019. Yeah. And, and this was a collaboration with uh, Quit Victoria, um, yeah. anti-smoking campaign that we partnered up with with them uh, where we um, put a call out to queer filmmakers to respond to 
um, making a short around a particular theme, and it, it yielded great results. And we ended up showing um, two of the final winners, basically that we had two winners this year uh, before all our features, and they they essentially kind of featured before every film that we screened. And so we're doing that again for next year. Um, it's a really great initiative. There's a, an incredible high rate of smoking amongst LGBTI um, community members. And so I think it's a really interesting thing to highlight and uh, it's a really fun way to do it and also to you know support queer filmmakers by giving you money to make films. Yeah, so yeah. that's so the most important prizes. part. There's prizes. There's pri- oh, there's certainly prizes. You get you know money to make the movie and also if you win, you get uh, you know cash cash dollars out of that as well. Mm. So what you need to do is go to the website and... And find out all about how that works. Um, Are you finding that with the uh, array of films that you're getting to look at from the queer community, that there are now uh, people who identify as queer filmmakers who are becoming um, incredibly famous, in fact, effectively? Because they're so good. Uh, oh, right, yeah. Well, look, you know, I think in the past year we definitely have had, you know, filmmakers that have, you know, made the starts and, you know, even with shorts, that's why I think shorts are really great and have gone on to make, you know, great feature films. And But even in this particular program of MQFF Extra, we are featuring, you know, films from some of the biggest queer auteurs alive today, like Pedro Moldova, which is our opening night film, Pain and Glory. So, yes, absolutely, yeah, okay. Um, so uh, how do people get tickets? Uh, best bet is to go to our website, mqff.com.au, and, and you can also download our app. And if you use the app for the main festival, you can use it again for this. And uh, downloading apps is a really handy way to book films and have your ticket in there. And, uh, you know, so I recommend using that also. And so do, just uh, as a matter of interest, in this uh, ticketing arrangement, do people generally just buy a ticket for a particular uh, film or can they buy a little package? There's different kinds of packages available this mm. time around. We've trialled out a few different things. For example, you can get a package that allows you to get to the, you know, get tickets to the opening and closing film, for example. And then there's like five passes and three passes and two. So that we've sort of, yeah. there's a few different options there, on which you'll be able to find on the website. Thank you very much for coming in. My pleasure. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel and we've just been speaking to Spiro Ekonopoulos about MQFF Extra, which starts at Nova October 4th to 6th. So go to the uh, Melbourne Queer Film Festival website and you will be able to get all the details as well as uh, make some bookings. I'm sure you'll be able to do it also on Nova. And they are a delicious array of films of all sorts and uh, not purely for all. All comers, in fact. Uh, Great films, great films. But before we go this morning, I wanted to tell you about a particularly great film called Buoyancy. And now Buoyancy is opening tonight, the 26th of September. And uh, next week on Showreel, we'll have an interview with the director of Buoyancy. It's... um, 
a film about um it's it's a film about the uh Thai uh fishing industry which is really uh built around um this particular type of um small boat operation that fishes on a continuous basis which is uh held together by effectively modern-day slavery where uh, people from different uh, countries like Cambodia and uh, Burma are uh, press-ganged effectively into this uh, world of uh, fishing all year round. Uh, It's an amazing film because it's shot mainly on the boat and uh, but it's uh, it's a great film because of the ability to get across uh, the very human and emotional states of all the characters who are involved. Uh, it follows the uh, uh, main character, a 14-year-old from Cambodia, who uh, leaves his village hoping for a better life, a better economic life, with the notion that Thailand has this sort of imprint of, in people's minds of uh, westernised uh, economic uh, freedom I guess Uh, it's a fascinating film and it's beautifully put together and uh, you leave the cinema thinking what a big film now it wasn't just that it was a big film and really worth seeing but it's just been announced that it's going to be Australia's uh, offering for the uh, 2020 Academy Awards foreign film section uh, which is uh, an extraordinarily wonderful sort of uh, uh, accolade, really, for a first-time feature. Uh, fantastic. So tune in next week for my interview with the uh, um, uh, director-writer, Rod Rathjen, um, who, uh, with producers Sam uh, Jennings and Kirsty Satan, said the whole team of buoyancy is profoundly honoured to be Australia's submission for this always exceptional cat, uh, category of the Academy Awards. They're right. Uh, usually the films in this section of the Academy Awards are so profoundly good that uh, it makes you wonder about all the others that are in <laughs> the section, other sections. This film has been made possible by the extraordinary commitment of all those involved and the courage of survivors who shared their stories. They entrusted us to bring their experiences to the world because, as one person put it, no one can hear us. Nobody knows we are here. It's an amazing film. You should go and get yourself a ticket. It's on at Nova. I'm not sure if it's on in other places. Um, look it up on online and you'll be able to see probably at the uh, classic and other types of cinemas where there are good films being shown. Uh, so the film is called Buoyancy and it starts tonight and it deserves you to go and check it out. That's it for me today and uh, we'll go out with uh, a cute song I think. A song that I've got here. Yes, it's a Rebel Deo's song. Troy Davis lives forever. <laughs> Another lynching has gone down in the U.S. And it's 2011. Nothing has changed. What up, Troy? I can't believe you actually did it, man. To tell the truth, they ain't never gonna kill you, man. You live forever in the hospitals to fight for you. You fought for 
bust, you get the strength like a true soldier. I feel the pain, I feel the anger and the race to show it. I hit the streets and spread the word to the world knows it. I'm sorry we ain't saved you. Should have been braver, but at times I feel alone when I'm surrounded by these strangers. 2009, we first spoke after I met Martina. I got the shirt, but since then I haven't really seen her. Been on the road with these raps, just trying to spread a message. But when I think about her talks, they were such a blessing. You was in jail reading your poems on the phone, and all I did was just listen backstage at the show. Then I heard the crazy news about a week ago that the date had been set and they wanted you to go. 11.08 p.m. September 21st Never forget my inner being still hurts Obama stayed quiet like he did for Asa Grant Clarence Thomas bitch ass never gave you a chance See, you was innocent, there was too much doubt Seven of nine witnesses wanted their testimony out They were scared from these threats Serious like cancer, but you know it wasn't true Years later they recanted I wish I had the answer, what to do next Gotta do more than tweet Facebook and send texts We need freedom, Uhuru organized like Zulu For the pain of injustice even though I never knew you what up Troy I can't believe they actually did it man to tell the truth they ain't never gonna kill you man you live forever in the hearts of those that fought for you you fought for us you gave us strength like a true soldier what up Troy I can't believe they actually did it man to tell the truth they ain't never gonna kill you man you live forever in the hearts of those that fought for you yeah fought for us you gave us strength like a true soldier they still lynching from plantations to the prisons Methods change, but it's the same system. White robes used to burn a crucifix. Now black robes signing death sentence. Instead of Jim Crow and legal segregation, it's yuppie condos and cuts to education. And I ain't gotta say it, Troy, you said it in your last letter. Thanking your supporters worldwide for their past efforts. More than half a million signed them petitions. The Pope, the Archbishop, stars and politicians. A who's who on Twitter weighing in like Mayweather. But what happens tomorrow after the storm let up? New day, pray you in a better place. Over here we coping, trying to channel that rage. To abolish these legal lynchings, abolish their broken system. Abolish the need yeah. for prisons in defense of the human spirit. What's up, Troy? I can't believe that you did it, man. To tell the truth, they ain't never gonna kill you, man. You live forever in the hearts of those that fought for you. You fought for us, you gave us strength like a true soldier. What up, Troy? I can't believe that you did it, man. To tell the truth, they ain't never gonna kill you, man. You live forever in the hearts of those that fought for you. You fought for us, you gave us strength like a true soldier. Like a true soldier. Troy Davis, rest in power. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.